let's kick off with uh, Robbie Dunn, who's lodged an appeal against his 18-month suspension um, for uh, harassment and bullying of Bryony Frost. Um, how is this going to take shape, Lee? Well, I suspect, Nick, we're going to have more of the same in the sense that I suspect because Robbie Dunn and his team have challenged not merely um, the sanction imposed by the disciplinary panel, but also its finding, in fact, the finding of guilt that Robbie, Robbie Dunn had bullied Bryony Frost. I suspect we will have to have a replay of that disciplinary panel hearing, obviously with a different panel, a different yeah. three-person panel overseeing the hearing. But, but there, there has to be some sort of new evidence, doesn't there? Yeah, and they, they will... They so it's will, not strictly a re-hearing, it's no, a... No, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll bring you new material into it, and I suspect that's partly going to be done by Robin Matthew, mm -hmm. who has been named as a new member of the Robby Dunn team. Robin Matthew is a former permit holder who is also a QC, who, following the, the outcome of the the hearing, wrote a letter to the Racing Post in which he was extremely critical of both the the BHA's investigation into the case, but also of the disciplinary panel itself. He argued that the, the Brian Barker-led panel um, had cursory, if any, experience of horse racing, uh, let alone being involved in the weighing room or riding in races. I did think that our media colleague, Graham, Conning, Graham Cunningham, um, posted a very fair and wise tweet in response to that where he points out that Brian Barker probably also had no direct experience of honour killings or homophobic murder but he would still be more than capable of adjudicating and officiating on a, on a case involving um, matters like that. Um, it's clearly going to be difficult for the sport because we're going to have this playing out for longer yet again it, it, it's, it's a, a desperately hard subject and I've made my positions on it on it clear in the past. I was extremely pleased that Bryony Frost took a complaint to the BHA and I thought that the disciplinary panel did a very good job. But Robbie Dunn is perfectly entitled to all the justice available to him and if he and his team feel that they didn't get a fair hearing or that they have new evidence that they can bring then they're perfectly entitled to do that. Uh, no date as yet has been set for that appeal. Uh, Donald McCain was the first jumps trainer this season to pass 100 winners in a season, which is no mean achievement, Lee, particularly given the fact that his career latterly has been something of a roller coaster. Yes, yeah, something of a roller coaster. Um, and you're right, because he was a trainer who, on taking over from his, from his father, the late Donald Ginger Red Rum McCain, um, enjoyed extraordinary success. Um, 150 odd winners, I think, in his. I think 153. I think 153 in his PB season. You know, Grade One winners, top horses like Peddlers Cross. He'd always continued to train winners, but some of the big owners had moved away from the yard. And in the previous three seasons, he trained 63, 62, and 66 winners. So a very which respectable is, which is not tally. A disaster, Absolutely. Let's face Listen, it. I mean, if you were training with that sort of business, you'd say hmm. you're doing incredibly well. But all of a sudden this week, um, I think to, to, hit, to maybe his, not just surprise, but I think it's probably crept upon him as well, mm. he got to 100 winners already and we're in mid-January. You know, we've still got three, three months of the season to go. He's having a fantastic season. Um, I think he's a popular guy. I think it's great for Northern Racing that a trainer in the North is saddling that many winners. He, he's leading the pace across the whole country in that regard um, and I think all what we would 
now love to see is Donald get a few more really good horses too. Mm. He had a grade two winner at Haydock on, on Saturday in the Alt Carnovice chase. That was his first graded winner for 12 months since the previous card um, at Haydock last year. I think it's 10 years since he had a grade one winner, Sinners and Ashes in the Supreme at Cheltenham. So you'd love now to see Donald get that sort of raw material in which he can really go to battle in those big races because what we've seen numerically is that he can really fire in a huge quantity of winners but we also know he's more than good enough to have quality winners as well um, so fantastic season for Donald McCain Donald McCain Venetia Williams Gary Moore yep. people all doing incredibly well at the moment uh, Netflix uh, this is kind of an interesting story I, I <laughs> Uh, is it? Are we doing stuff to try and make Netflix <laughs> um, make a make a racing well, show? I, I, go on, just just sort of put some meat on the bones here. So we have known for a while, Nick, that there are various groups uh, within racing and within um, the, the sort of the film industry, if you like, who have been going to Netflix and probably other streaming providers, mm. saying that listen, guys and gals, with horse racing we can deliver you something very similar to Drive to Survive. Mm -hmm. um, that Netflix program, which I've still actually never seen, but a Netflix program that has had rave reviews for how it's presented F1 to a new audience. And it's also apparently had enormous success, particularly in America, in boosting audiences for F1. So I think any sport has, that has seen that has said, my goodness, could we do the same? It's already happening in other sports. It feels like Crown Green Bowls is the only one that hasn't got um, a Netflix series or one in, in the process of, of happening. Well, there are yeah, now Rishi, moves... Rishi's on the case, don't Rishi's worry. Rishi's on the case, yeah. yeah. Big week for Rishi. Um, racing is now pushing to have that as well. We've heard from people linked to, to Drive to Survive, yeah. to Sky Sports Racing, to uh, the Frankie de Tori recent film, Nathan Horrocks and his team, Equine Productions, and others have all been trying to go to Netflix and say, we can do this for you. In today's Racing Post, Bill Barber, my colleague, um, reports that filming has already taken place within the yards of Joseph O'Brien in Ireland and Francis Graffard in France. He says that there are two trainers in Britain and three in America where filming is also due to take place soon. That doesn't mean that this process has got off the ground. Bill describes it as a development phase. And I think it's often the case you really have to go right. to Netflix. So you have to say, look, look, look what we've got Look here what and, we've got, look yeah. what we can do for you. I think what we can say is that for flat racing in particular, this would be tremendously beneficial, one would think. You only have to look, I think, at how flat racing, it seems to me, relative to jump racing, is perhaps struggling to, to grab audiences. Against that, um, people will say you look at streaming figures and online figures and you know, Twitter video figures for flat racing, they're great. And I'm, I'm sure that's the case as well. But the barometer of TV audiences suggests that flat racing isn't doing as well as, as jump racing. I think flat racing finds it harder to tell some of its big stories, sometimes because of the people involved and sometimes because it's, it can be a harder sport to sell. But internationally, flat racing trumps jump racing. You go to the States, like work for NBC, NBC don't give them any three-mile handicap chases. Um, no. Flat racing is the deal there and in most of the world. So if we can get flat racing onto a Netflix series like this, I'm sure it'd be great for the sport. And I think, unlike Drive to Survive, I think even I'll watch it. And, uh, yeah, the, this, this time next week, I'll be on my way back from the, the Pegasus. You live a life. Where Ja Rule and Lil' Kim will be, will be amongst the stars. Aren't you? They weren't at Taunton yesterday, funnily enough. No? No. Strange. The Wurzels? Um, no. No? Okay. No, Next no. time. Nor 
nor Hugo Palmer, who may, who may, according to reports this week, be moving to Michael Owen's uh, state-of-the-art manor house establishment and taking a, a large portion of his new market string with him. If this comes off, yeah. Lee, and I, I know that there are still some I's to dot and T's to cross, but if it comes off, that's going to be quite a big and powerful stable yeah. in not far from Donald McCain, just yes. pretty much next door. Of, you're talking possibly... 150 horses, something like that, which would be quite a notable boost for the, the region. It would. It would probably be a big boost for Hugo Palmer as well. He's a man who has had uh, considerable success. He's a British classic winning trainer, won 2000 guineas with Galileo Gold, another group won in 2021 with Ebro River. Um, Irish Oaks as well. Irish Oaks as well, yeah. Um, apparently his numbers have not been necessarily as big as he would have wanted in terms of equine members of of the team. Now that would change if he went to Michael Owen's operation in Cheshire. He would have a, a bigger string there. Um, I think it's actually a really, would be a, a really exciting move for Hugo Palmer. Well, it's certainly out of the box, isn't yeah, it? Which absolutely. you don't often get in horse racing, especially with the Newmarket trainers absolutely. who think that Newmarket is the centre of the universe and there's not a lot outside. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, most of us who go down Newmarket High Street think we wouldn't necessarily want to be here forever, but some Newmarket trainers, you could never ever imagine them leaving the place but Hugo Palmer is uh, a younger sort of trainer he is an ambitious trainer a hungry trainer who does think outside the box so I'm not necessarily surprised um, that he has been linked to this post we should say only linked to this post I've seen no comments as yet from Hugo Palmer or Michael Owen we report it as they're in advanced talks it's been reported elsewhere that that he is set to be the guy who goes into that yard um, I think it will be really exciting if he did, it would show ambition on his part. It would certainly show ambition on Michael Owen's part. And I don't think we doubt Michael Owen's ambition for his stable. What we, of course, don't know is what happens next to Tom Daskin, who has been pretty open in saying that he wasn't, um, he was surprised to be told he'd be moving on. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Tom Daskin has every right to feel proud of the accomplishments. Absolutely. There. You know, a, from basically a standing start, a yeah. lot of winners have have come out of Manor House, but this could be a very interesting union if indeed it comes off between Owen and Palmer. Attendance figures are down, Lee. That is the headline. What's beneath the headline? Yes, so um, it was reported this week that attendance figures in Britain from that period where crowds returned in full post-COVID in the middle of July to the end of November, they are the average attendances are the lowest or were the lowest at any point so far this century. Um, average attendances, Nick, across that period, I've got it written down here, 3,303 in yeah. 2021, 3,853 in the nearest comparable year, 2019, 5,000 they were in 2003. The dip, the drop in flat racing is even more um, marked, um, around 700 per fixture down over that comparable period for flat racing. Should we be worried? Well, on the one hand, you think that at a point where people can suddenly start going and doing the things they used to do, which they couldn't do during COVID, that they were in flocking yeah. to race courses, to go racing. They were desperate to go. The numbers here suggest that wasn't the case. David Armstrong, chief executive of the Racecourse Association, says that that bears with what he understands, that, he, they, that racecourses found there was a reluctance from some people to go back racing. Isn't, isn't that reflected in, in life in general? I mean, the, the assumption was, you know, post-COVID, everybody goes back to doing what they were doing yeah. before and with even more gusto. Actually, for a lot of people, just use the opportunity to recalibrate their lives. Yeah. 
and, and, and reprioritise. Yeah, I think that is the case. Um, I think there are sometimes there are some contradictions. Last week, I went to three shows in London's West End. Two of those were absolutely ram-packed, not, not, a, not a seat free. The other one, that wasn't the case. There was an upper circle that wasn't used because not enough tickets had been sold. Uh, and that's at an indoor event. Um, what is interesting, I think, is that David Armstrong was saying that advanced sales for this year's big festivals are extremely positive and are way in front of what they got for 2019. I think to an extent, Nick, that merely reflects a change in the way people are doing things. At Cheltenham on New Year's Day, Ian Renton was saying to me that traditionally that had been their biggest walk-up day of the year yeah. when people woke up in the morning. You so see hangover, massive queues all yeah, the way down the street, my is not too bad, let's go racing. Not the or case this year. terrible, get let's me out of the racing, air, yeah. yeah. People these days are booking in advance much more so than they did. So we perhaps shouldn't read too much into the fact that advanced sales are so strong. That's, I think, equally just now the way that people are doing yeah. things. Just quickly, what shows yeah. did you see? Uh, I saw Cabaret. Mark's out of 10. Uh, 11. Okay. Um, I That's saw Jesse Buckley and um, Jesse, Eddie Redmayne. Mary Redmayne. Honestly, sensational. If yeah. you can get a £30 upper circle ticket, which I did, you get a great view and you're going to pay 250 quid. Yeah. Um, I saw, finally saw Mary Poppins, uh, which I've been looking to see for years, hadn't done that. Again, that Who's theater, in that at the moment? Charlie Stemp and uh, Zizi Strollen. Uh. Petula Clark that wasn't there the night I saw her. Charlie Stemp walks across the roof, which is very impressive. If you love old-fashioned musical theatre, that's one to see. And the other one I saw, my favourite playwright is a guy called James Graham. He mm. writes incredible plays. He's got a new one at the minute at the Young Vic called Best of Enemies, which tells the stories of uh, 19, late 1960s American political debates between William Buckley and Gore Vidal. Um, it's a tremendous play if you enjoy American politics, America politics or television. Um, I feel like I've given a great advert there for three, uh, three <laughs> performances. I'm available for free tickets should anyone want to give them out. Um, America, politics and television. Yes, I think I'm interested in Get all those things. Get yourself there. The Young Vet, okay. Best of Enemies. Excellent. Right. Festival entries. I mean, it's, no, it's all very well getting the people in. You've got to get the horses. Um, and at this rate, we're not going to get enough, are we, yes. in some of the novice races? So we had entries this week for the three graded novice chases at the Cheltenham Festival. The Arkle, the Brown Advisory, the Turners, the old JLT, uh, and the National Hunt Chase. And they were well down. Um, the, the numbers had gone from... Um, uh, well, there, there were 30, around 30 odd down on last year across those four races, which in turn were 30 down on the previous mm -hmm. year. The particular concern, Nick, is that the slump comes from British trained horses. Right. The Irish horses are still there in, in the same numbers as ever. The ones that aren't being entered are the ones trained in Britain compared okay, to so previous years. Not enough horses, not enough good horses, trainers not being ambitious enough, people just not wanting to make the entry because they think it's a waste of time and money because they're not going to beat Mullins, Elliot, Henderson, Nichols, etc. All those boxes, I think, tick in terms of your arguments there. I think there's a concern that last I mean, I don't year, really know. I don't think I know the I don't the think any of us know for sure, but I think last year there was a feeling that because it was a behind-closed-doors festival that we weren't getting those social runners, those horses that probably didn't have a great chance of winning, but their owners wanted to have a run at the Cheltenham Festival. That's clearly not the case this year. I half wonder, Nick, if that, that view that has been um, so sort of elegantly espoused by people like Paul Nichols that what's the point of going into a race if you don't think you can win it, but you can win a comparable race elsewhere? I wonder if trainers are going along that line of thinking, just thinking, we can't beat the Irish, or let's think about entry or air. I think as well, Nick, what I do think this should have a bearing on is that we're expecting at some point, based on all reports, news on 
whether the Cheltenham Festival go to five days. We've reported in the past it's likely to be a consultation phase. How long do you reckon? Go on. Um, I think it'll come quite soon. Do you? Um, yeah, I do. Um, and I think. Do you think we could have a five-day festival in 2023? Uh, potentially. Ooh. I hope not. <laughs> I think what this tells us is that if we're struggling to get what we would think of as satisfactory entries for the races as things stand, you create new entries, new races. Now, I know you, you, people say they only have to create one more race for a five-day festival, but that would lean you have six races every day. For me, that's I not think, enough for a festival race day. These, I think in these novice races, you've got to have a dozen. You've yeah. got to have a dozen yeah, absolutely. for them to be su- sustainable. I, I, I or you're going to have to start looking at the programme very I think hard. you're right, yeah. And I think that you look at... I'm going to sound really old and grumpy here, but you look at the turn as novices chase. A two-and-a-half-mile grade one novice chase, Grant. <laughs> but it's possible that we will see a clash between these two thrilling Irish novice chasers, Bob Ollinger and um, uh, Gallop and the Shot, at Leopardstown, at their festival... But we won't at the Cheltenham Festival because Bob Ollinger can stay over two and a half miles or Gallopan goes up to three miles. Well, that old, yeah, that old argument, yeah. That, for me, seems perverse. It seems okay. to me that that two and a half mile race this season could really impact on what would otherwise have been a better Arkle or a better Brown Advisory. Should we open up a new jumps venue? Do you know, we should. And where might that be, Nick? Well, you know, they used to, they used to have jumping at Windsor they did. back in the day. Now, so, so this is not, you know... It, it has been mooted for a little while well, now. Well, you know more about this than I did because you were speaking to Martin Crudders yeah, about it. Yeah, and, and I think quite understandably he didn't want to take the gloss off what Lingfield are doing and, and are going to do this afternoon very successfully, yeah. we hope. But I think there is a feeling that you know they, they would look at jumping at Windsor as a possibility and if they do, maybe they would rotate it into this yeah. weekend. Yeah. Provided that you could have better ground there and it's near Ascot, so you've got like a little three-day yeah. Berkshire festival. Whichever way they... You know, whichever way it manifests itself, are we in favour in principle of the idea of jumping coming back to to Windsor? Oh, a big yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I loved I loved going there when I was a kid. Yeah, um, I jumping. went there when I when I moved down here when I was um, twenty one. I had a couple of visits to, to Windsor jumping before it finished there. I think I also went when Windsor briefly stayed a long walk hurdle when Ascot was being yeah, barracuda. Was, absolutely, yeah, was being redeveloped. Um, in some ways, you'd think Windsor wouldn't be an obvious jumps venue as a figure of eight, but it's a bigger, more galloping figure of eight mm. than, say, Fontwell. And Nicky Henderson was talking on your pod this week about how... Big, long, straight. Ge- yeah, yeah, and you generally get better ground than you would expect for a riverside track at Windsor. I would love to see it happen. Anything that spreads the, the scope of jump racing, I would love to see. I think they would have to be quite clever. Mm. Clearly, they're... Monday- Some of the flat trainers, I don't think, love the idea because of no. what it would do to the ground in April. But I think then you'd say, right, well, start the Monday nights a bit later. Absolutely. Start them at the end of May, well, beginning of June. I'm, I'm sh- listen, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a money man, Nick. I, I, I'm, I, you know, finances aren't my strong point. I can't do numbers. <laughs> but I imagine that if I was looking at Winter's balance sheet, it's those summer Monday evenings that really make the money. I doubt that the, the afternoons in the late spring and early autumn that take place... On, on horrible ground, I don't imagine they get a huge amount of bums on seats. If you swap those for four, five, six jumps meetings, I wonder if the the, the, the loss would be much at all. And I think it would, I think it would bring an almost goodwill to to art from a from a certain number of people if that happened. And um, I think it would be a good venue for for good race days. In the past, Windsor had races like the Fairlawn Chase and New Year's Day Hurdle, not stellar races, but good races that attracted. Good horses, you should get good novice hurdlers and good novice chases. Um, 
I would love to see it. I also think it's, I want to say, Nick, I, I, it's great to see good jump racing taking yeah. place at Lingfield. I've got issues with this the Winter Million Festival. I'm off there now and um, I've, I've expressed <laughs> those views in the past. I think some of the new conditions races are a bad thing because they take horses from other races. And you look at today, we've got a three runner, 100,000 pound hurdle, which just seems ridiculous. But I love the fact that the Arena Racing Company has looked at Lingfield and said, we can make that a better jumps track and give that better jumps racing. Yeah. Well done to them for doing that. And I hope they do the same thing with Windsor. Yeah, I mean, I love going racing, but I've, I've said it before. Um, that, uh, those even, were this week's talking <laughs> points.